0: We're going to start off today, and they gave, when, when they went through this series of family, I'll be honest, uh, this is one of the hardest things in the world to preach on, uh, and that is marriage. How would you like to be given that topic, okay? So, uh, so anyway, I'm not going to do it. Uh, Amy Poris is going to be teaching that today. So, I'm so here's what we'd love to represent today in honor. If you've been married 50 years or more, would you stand up? Do we have anybody here that's been married 50 years or more? Yeah, Ken. <laughs> Oh, great. Let's give all our folks a huge hand. All right. Stay standing. And uh, I do want to ask you, and don't be afraid, just yell this out. I want to know what's the secret of being married 50 years or more. But what would you say? Obey. <laughs> There's your sermon right there. Obey. Last night at Bedford, one of the guys said, duck. I thought that was pretty good. Okay, what would you guys say? A secret of being married 50 years or more? She's always right. Wow. Guys, if you're not married, you're learning a lot right now. Okay, let's have one more. What's that? Compromise. Compromise. Finally, we got a good Christian answer. All right. Let's give them all one more hand. Isn't that awesome? 50 years. Okay, let's uh, let's begin with the word of prayer because honestly, we're going to need it and then uh, we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we just honor you and we praise you. And uh, even when we look at subject as difficult as marriage, Lord, you're right in the middle of it all. So Lord, I just pray more than anything that everything we say this morning will bring glory to you. And it's in Jesus' most holy name that I pray. Amen. You know, everybody's got uh, a lot of different perspectives of marriage. And uh, uh, would you admit, those of you that have been married uh, over 50 years, that uh, times are different today than when you got married 50 years ago. Raise your hand if you agree with that. Matter of fact, all of you, raise your hand if you think it's different. Matter of fact, it's hard to believe the ceremonies are getting a little different. This is, uh, this is what they recommend for preachers, how to end a wedding now. I now pronounce you man and wife. You may now change your Facebook status. So things are changing. Would you agree? Now, here's a perspective from a wife, a husband, and then a perspective of a wife talking about marriage uh, First of all, husband, my wife told me the other day uh, that I never take her to expensive places anymore, so I took her to the gas station. Now, there's a, there's a nice guy, and here's a sorry story between a husband and wife. Ever since it started snowing, my husband is standing in the front of the window and watching. If the snow gets much worse, I'm going to have to let him inside the house. Now, that's not a happy marriage right there. <laughs> How many have ever been there? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. let's be honest, okay. Marriage is an interesting thing, and would you agree that there's a huge difference between a wedding and a marriage? Would you agree on that? Matter of fact, it's interesting being in the ministry now uh, for years and years, that when I meet with young couples, they always have that that goofy look in their eyes, and they actually think marriage is going to be like a wedding. Matter of fact, just to give you an idea of weddings and the importance we put on weddings, in Monroe County... The average wedding is $18,000. That's the average wedding today. So we put a lot into weddings. But there's a huge difference between a, a wedding and a marriage. matter of fact, years ago, I had one of the funniest things that ever happened in my ministry. Um, and any minister that's honest, they'll tell you that doing weddings is not the greatest job that you have. Okay? I'm just telling you straight up. It's just not the funniest thing. And when I meet with young couples, especially the bride... I always say, now, when you come to the rehearsal, please, you've got to be very organized. And they'll always ask why. And I said, because if you leave an opening, your mother is going to take over. And they'll say, oh, you don't know my mother. And I always say, no, you don't know your mother. Because when there's a wedding, they change. Can I have an amen on that? They change, okay? So this one wedding, I get a call from the mother of the bride. and And this was a couple in this little small town. They both uh, had a lot of money. So this was like the wedding of the year, okay, in this small town. So this mother of the bride calls and said, I want this to be the perfect wedding. Could you do me a favor? And I said, sure. She said, I have these little boxes of butterflies from Mexico. Could you store them in the church at a certain room temperature? Because after the wedding, there's going to be the sunset and a perfect opportunity to release the butterflies. I'm like, oh yeah, you got to bring those in, you know. And so she brings them in and you know, we turn up the temperature and we get it ready. Uh, wedding's over, and she's just giddy, and gets everybody. And I go outside. I'm getting. I want to get as far back as I can to see this unfold. She goes, hands everybody these little boxes. Okay, wait till the photographer says go, and on the perfect moment, release the butterflies. Okay, so is it giving everybody these. Boxes? I'm not taking that stupid box anyway. I'm standing back and I'm watching this. One, two, three, release, and these butterflies start floating up. All of a sudden it looked like a scene out of Alfred Hitchcock birds. These birds came out. It was awesome. It it was. And I went back in the church. I was laughing so hard. So a few years later, it was my last Sunday at this church, and this this couple came in and uh, and they looked at me and they said, Do you remember our wedding? I'm like, very solemn. Like, oh yes, that was a beautiful wedding. And the guy now said, those butterflies, was that the lamest thing you've ever seen? I'm like, that was awesome. You know, he goes, got it. See, we put so much stock in weddings, but we don't put nearly as much into a marriage. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. Marriage isn't easy. That's why today we're just going to look at two things we should never underestimate when we talk about marriage. And here's the thing, the one thing I I wanted to prevent uh, is, first of all, if marriage doesn't apply right now, if some of you are like, I'm not even going to listen because you talking about marriage, please listen, because this applies to any relationship. It really does. But I didn't want to give like, here's five secrets to a successful marriage, because to be honest with you, those messages drive me crazy, because it's like, is, that, is it that easy? No, it's just not that easy. So I just want to hone in on two, and I want to hone in on the love chapter and a section of it that a lot of people don't look at that's critical. And here's the first thing, never underestimate the ripple effect of intentional acts of kindness. The ripple effect of intentional acts of kindness. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians 13, and let's start in verse 4, and let's read this together, because this is so powerful. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Did you catch the word? Not. Seven times, not, not, not. Paul is saying, before we talk about what love really is, let's define love by what it's not. And then in rapid fire, it is not envious, boastful, prideful, rude, self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not delight in evil. And I love that love is kind. It is kind. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but it is. You've all heard the phrase, love is blind, but I don't agree with that at all. I think the love that Christ talks about is extremely intentional. Now, what do I mean by intentional? In 2002, some of you remember this, but I've never seen a book in a church setting that had the the ripple effect of this book. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. It came out in 2002. Uh, The strategy, when Rick Warren wrote this book, the strategy was to get this to like 1,500 to 2,000 churches. They ran 500,000 copies, and the goal was to challenge churches to take six weeks, read the book, and go through it. Pretty simple strategy. They never dreamed that it would explode the way that it did. Let me tell you just how much it exploded. Uh, At the 10-year anniversary, that book sold over 30 million copies, hard copies. Uh, and it's a, there's a whole other amazing story. Rick Warren didn't keep a penny of that. I mean, his wife early on realized this could ruin our lives because there's so much money rolling in. So they put to an amazing financial plan to have global impact. Uh, he actually went to the elders, and if you can imagine this, went to the elders, he'd been there 25 years, and he wrote them a check for his entire salary over 25 years. I'm not going to do that, Andy. But anyway, um, (laughs) I want you to think about that book and why, even though it's a very simple book to read, why that was so profound. And I believe it's because of the very first few words in the book. And it's simply this, it's not about me. It's not about me. And think about every relationship that that you have. If you woke up every morning and you simply said, you know, today, it's not about me. And today, I'm going to be kind. Not just randomly, I mean, I want to be intentionally kind. What if every day for your spouse, it was not about what you were going to get out of the relationship, it's what you could give? In any relationship, what would happen if every day we said, it's not about me, this is about what I can give away, because that's what he defines right here. That's the kind of love that Christ shared with us. Marina, when we went on vacation this summer, uh, we were up in the airport. We always get there really early before we fly out. That's one of the things that we love to do. And one of the things that I love to do as a tradition is once we get settled in is I go right to the line, I don't care how long it is, and get my Starbucks coffee and a bagel. That's just the way it is. I think that's what Jesus would do. So anyway, that's what I do. So I'm in this line. There's about a dozen people. And all of a sudden, this pilot from Southwest walks up to the front of the line. I'm like, here we go. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna cut in front of everybody. I didn't have a very nice thought. And he, he, he looked at uh, the gal that was taking care of him, and she said, he said, I'm in a hurry. I need, uh, I need about five or six coffees. I need to get this to the other pilots and everybody. And then he paused and said, but wait a second. And he looked at the rest of us, about 12, and he said, because I'm going to cut in line here, if it's okay with you, I'd like to pay for everyone here in the line. And I'm like, well, sir, here, cut in front of me, you know, so here, <laughs> step right here, you know. I was going to get a coffee, but I thought, "Hey, Marie looked hungry, so I got two bagels." I, you know, <laughs> ring it up, ring it up. No, I wrote I really it, but I didn't. Matter of fact, I took a picture because I'm like, "This doesn't happen every day that I experience this random act of kindness." Some of you, I guarantee, in the last probably couple of weeks, have experienced a random act of kindness, and if you receive that, usually, what's the first thing everybody will say? Pay it forward. Okay. Now, again, that's a nice that's a nice thing to do. But that's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about random acts of kindness. I'm talking about Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? Gave himself up for her. It's the ripple effect of intentional kindness. Just think about Jesus. I look at John chapter 2, and I think about that first miracle. And if you read the first miracle of Jesus, do you remember what was going on? Uh, They were running out of the wine, which in that day at a wedding feast, those wedding feasts, you know, we we talk about Monroe County, 18,000, a traditional Jewish wedding would last seven or eight days. And the wine was a huge deal. And actually, if you would run out of wine early, that was a disgrace to the family. And so that was a big deal. And if you remember the mother of Jesus, Mary said, hey, Jesus, just going to give you a heads up, uh, they're running out of wine, you know. And then I love it when Jesus said, you know, my time has not yet come, but in essence, what did he say? But you're my mom. And so he took care of this poor guy, and he was running out. And do you remember what he did with the wine? It said, it's the best wine. And then I love, this is such, such a Jewish mother. I love it when she said, whatever he tells you to do, what? You do it. And an awesome story. Why did Jesus do that? Kindness. I think he saw this poor guy, and he's like, you know what? I don't want to. I want this guy's day to be ruined. He's got this amazing, I'll take care of it. You say, oh no, it's bigger than that. I don't think so. I really think at the heart of it, it was the heart of Jesus. I love in Matthew 9, remember when he reached out to Matthew, who was what? Tax collector. Let me tell you, they're not real popular, not popular at all. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, hey, you're a tax collector. You know, a lot of folks don't like you, probably shouldn't be seen with you. Uh, but let me give you a, a manual. Let me give you a nice little church you might want to go to. They'll like you. No. What do you say? Hey, I'm going I'm to come hang out with you tonight at your house. fact, Matthew, invite what? All of your friends. Now, he's not, he's not hanging out with church-going folk. I mean, these are the folks everybody else hates, and there's Jesus. Why did he show up at this guy's house? Kindness. Intentional. And then I love the story of John 4, the woman at the well. You've all heard that. Here's this woman, and uh, she's been with, it said, five men. She'd been rejected by her people and the culture. And here's this Jewish man, and not only does Jesus speak to her, he gives her hope. Why? Because of kindness. Intentional. There's nothing random about what Jesus did for us. And we need to be intentional about what we do for others. And you might say, does that really apply to marriage? Seriously, I want you to think about that. Intentional acts of kindness. And then second of all, never underestimate the importance of listening and learning. You've heard from folks that have been married 50 years or more. But all of you that have been married even a year or more, would you say you should ever stop listening to your spouse? What do you think? No. Do you still learn things new about your spouse every year that you're married? Yes, absolutely. We should never, never give up on continually listening and learning. Now, uh, Marie and I, this was an important message for both of us. And sometimes I've heard over the years, you hear a guy preaching or teaching on marriage. And I've, I've listened to a lot of lessons on marriage. And I'm just going to be honest. I'd always think, I wonder what that guy's marriage is like. I mean, really. So I've asked Marie to lie. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, I really I wanted Marie to share uh, as a as a couple we went through a, a tough year in 2015, and uh, I I asked Marie to just share what 2015 was like because we learned a lot about one another and about our marriage. So
1: okay, <laughs> um, so he asked me to share just about um, 2015, which just was one of those years when. Uh, Lots of things didn't go well for us, and so um, it was very much a year of listening and learning. Um, So I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about it, and then I'll tell you what we learned from it. Um, So in 2015, in January, um, my mom had been ill, and she was continuing to be sick, and she had been in a nursing home. Um, That decision did not come lightly, and I lived away from The home um, where some of my siblings lived, and so I did not agree with that, and so I had a really hard time with that. Um, I was trying in January 2015. I was trying to go back every month or or every week or so or every two weeks for the weekend, and so that was about four and a half hour drive. So I would leave Friday after work and come back on Sunday, and I would be a mess and Um, In the process, my daughter was getting married in April, which is a wonderful thing, but it was a lot of stress in our life because she didn't live here, and her maid of honor was my other daughter who lived in Chicago, so we were trying to do showers, and we were trying to do bachelorette parties, and we were trying to save money so we wouldn't spend $18,000, so you know what that means. We're trying to do it all ourselves. We did 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 do it it less for that, yes. (laughs) Um, And I work. um, I run the preschool on the east side um, with about 200 kids that come through there each week. Um, And as most of you know, we launched the west side right after my daughter's wedding. She got married in April 18th, and the first week in May, we launched the west side. For a lot of you, that seems like, oh, that was great and exciting. But for me, I kind of like dig my roots in and stay there forever and John loves to take risks. So it was a huge change for me all of a sudden to come over here and um, dive in and do different things and meet all sorts of new people. And um, so it just seemed like the year wouldn't stop. Um, My mom then died in June, um, and I had always said, I'm the youngest of six children. As she began to deteriorate, I always said, now I don't want to be the one with her. I don't think I can do it. Um, And we knew she was in hospice, and we knew the doctors had said it will be two or three more days. Um, And all of our family was there, and I said, you guys go out to lunch, and I'm just going to stay with mom. And my two girls stayed with us. Um, And all of a sudden, they were all gone. The room was empty, and my brother was there, and um, her heart rate just began to go down slower. I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? This isn't supposed to happen while I'm here. Um, but it was, it was her time, and her heart rate began to decrease, and I knew that it was happening, and I was like, Lord, what's happening? Why am I here? And I just stood by her side, um, her hands in my hands, and I just kept saying, Mom, when you see Jesus, you run. You do not stay here with us. You run, you run, you run, and I, I remember telling, um, her, because my dad had passed as well. I said, when you see him, they'd been married 62 years. I said, you run, mom. It's good. We're good. Don't suffer anymore. And so um, it was such a presence that I had never felt before because I knew she could hear me. And she waited for my brother, who is one brother, five sisters, to say, mom, we're going to be fine. And she passed. And so Um, with that came lots of decisions we own a farm um, they have a homestead Um, six children don't always agree and all those things and so I think what finally happened is it was in the fall and we had a major crisis with one of our children and I think all along I kept telling John I'm not handling this well you're not understanding you're not hearing what I'm saying I need you to hear how hard this is for me, Um, and I just felt like, you're not hearing me. I think for him, it was like, okay, well, we had a wedding. That was good. Now we're moving on. We're launching. Okay, that was good, but for me, it was a uh, compilation, is that the right word, of just stress and anxiety and grief, and um, so when that crisis happened with our child, um, I, he's Not a child, but (laughs) Um, I knew that we needed to talk through that. And so um, we have a good friend who is a Christian counselor. And so I said to him, I said, you are not getting me. (laughs) And I need you to get me right now. I need you to understand what I'm going through and that I am not nuts or crazy, although I am 52, so I'm right in the hormonal Part, Um, and so we did. And for us, that was a wonderful thing um, because he could finally hear. I don't know. It's it's like I knew he was talking to me, but he just wasn't hearing. And so through that, it was just such a message of us listening and learning. And instead of carrying um, what I was carrying—anger and frustration and grudges. You know, we were able to work through that and come out on the other side um, without all that emotional baggage and just grow through that.
0: And we, the biggest reason we wanted to share that pain that we went through is I see a lot of couples when they go through really hard times, and I mean, I don't mean this bad, but in church, we cover that up. Like, I can't talk about that because I'm in church. Isn't that stupid? And this is the place where you ought to be able to talk to friends and say, hey, we kind of hit a bump in our marriage. We've kind of had some hard times. And I'll be honest, I don't know if you guys can relate to that, where you've got a project, you get through the project, you get to the next project. Uh, maybe that's just me, being how guys are. And I'm like, I am listening. But you do realize we have a hayride this I mean, I was like <laughs> on to the next thing. And the other thing that was really important, and I don't know why, but a lot of Christians, I feel like if I go to a counselor that's admitting I need help, well, guess what? We needed help. And I, I needed help. I mean, I was I was so glad because the counselor kind of lit into me and I needed to be. She said, You're not listening. I'm like, I am listening. And I was very defensive. I'm like, hey, do you have any idea what I'm going through on the west side? Now think about that. After all that she had been through. And so that really was for us. That was a that was an amazing moment for us to say we gotta start somewhere. Now here's the other thing we want to share with everyone here, and that is there's there's a reason on every one of your chairs you'll see a thing just says married life Um, here's what I love about Sherwood Oaks and uh, if you look at that and this again whether you're married or not here's why this applies your friends your family is it takes a couple that's preparing for marriage there's a whole ministry for that all the way to and I'm so glad Jim and Danelle are here it's uh, a 9-11 ministry where you've got a couple at the 11th hour of their marriage saying, we're giving up, that we have a minister that says, hey, no, no, don't give up. We'll we'll work with you. And I'm just telling you, think about a church that's willing to say, there's something going on here, but we're not going to ignore it. We're going right into the, the, the midst of it, and we want to make a difference. And that's what this is all about. So this is a very valuable, hopefully, uh, tool for you. Uh, but Marina, we just... Hope more. Anything else? Is we kind of just share what we went through? That this is helpful for you. Marie, do you have anything else that you wanted to, to I share?
1: I think my encouragement to you is that it 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 doesn't matter if you've been married one, two, eight, ten, you know, thirty. Or we've been married thirty-two years. Is there are just rough bumps, and it's okay to reach out to people um, that care and love about you, and maybe just people who can. Um, take you through that period. It wasn't like we were like, we're going to give up. But I was really frustrated. I was also having some serious health issues um, that the doctor was not able to, to decide what that was for about two months. And so just the combination, it was like we could have just, I think my, my thing is we could have just got through it and let our marriage just go on. Or we could make that decision to, to seek help who would make our marriage better. And um, that's my encouragement to you.
0: So, I'm not bragging on my wife, but I know how hard uh, that was for her to do that. And she didn't sleep well last night. I know that. And I slept like a baby. So anyway. (laughs) Uh, And Marie and I are honest about this too. If, If you ever and any, any of you are hurting, feel free to talk to us or any of the leadership here, seriously. Uh, we want to do everything that we can to help. I want to just close by a scripture that I'd love for us to read together because I think it is so powerful of what it communicates. And it's uh, starting in verse six. And so let's just read this together. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. I love this. It always protects... It always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And then this is the greatest part. Love never fails. As hopeless as any situation is, if you take the love of Christ, that will never fail. Because that's what Christ does. We're not talking about the love that our culture is into. I'm talking about a Christ-like love.